Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Welcome to the part one of a two-part fantasy football show. Instead of doing the whole show in one week, Ernie and I decided that we can give a little bit more content, a little bit more detailed thoughts on position. So today we're going to cover your quarterbacks and running backs. Next week we'll do the wide receivers and tight ends and then we'll share our thoughts on defense, which for most leagues is not quite as important as the offensive skill positions but before we get into the show I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the Deshaun Watson situation I think we have some finality an agreement between the Players Association and the NFL has Deshaun Watson now suspended for the first 11 games this year and a five million dollar fine Ernie your thoughts on the settlement I'm just glad that everything is done right now. There's at least some sort of finality to the situation. Uh, Moving forward, I don't think this is going to be the end for Deshaun Watson as far as these allegations are concerned. Uh, He's going to get it from uh, numerous groups out there, you know, demanding that he be actually, you know, banned from the league. I'm pretty sure about that when prior uh, incidents from former quarterbacks in the past uh, came to these uh, types of situation. Uh, it, it lingered on for for years, and you know I'm just hoping for Deshaun if he is in fact innocent that you know no new allegations come up and we're just you know continue we can just continue upon his you know his football prowess and uh, we'll we'll see where it goes from there. You know as a football player the guy is great. Uh, this certainly does put you know cast a long shadow in regards to him uh, as a as a human being out there. So uh, I'm not one to judge right now. Uh, you know there has been no really hard proof uh, as far as uh, from a legal standpoint out there. So uh, I won't play judge and jury at this point in time. I'm just gonna appreciate Deshaun Watson. For the football player that he is and you know let the people who are professionals about this uh you know take it from there i mean i i think this is a good thing i think now we have some clarity i i think what this does though is twofold i think the positive side for for those that wanted more is essentially when you keep him out for 11 games and you bring him back for the last six games and he's going to be completely suspended so he's not going to be able to participate in practices or any of those kinds of things we've already seen how rusty he is in that first preseason game that he played i think this pretty much means that deshaun watson is not going to have any meaningful impact on the cleveland browns and i would be shocked at this point if cleveland finds a way to be playing relevant games when he comes back. Um, so I, I think for Cleveland, this is a this is the nail in the coffin for their particular season. I think for Deshaun Watson, this is actually a good thing because if he came back too soon, I think the uproar and the frustration would be even worse. Mm-hmm. I think now that he agreed to a longer suspension and it is going to cost him some actual dollars. I think the unique thing and I think what really upsets a lot of people is that 
the way his contract is is designed, it was a guaranteed five-year, $230 million contract with a huge upfront guarantee. But his actual salary for this year is only $1 million. So that's the only amount of money that can be withheld from him through the suspension. Mm -hmm. So it's only going to cost him $560,000, which is why I think they were fighting for a much bigger dollar amount. They settled on five in the $11 million. Hopefully this puts it aside. But most importantly, clearly Deshaun Watson did something wrong. Maybe it wasn't criminal. um, But when you have that many cases with that many people... Clearly, he was doing something wrong. Hopefully, this is a wake-up call. He is a 25-year-old man. He still can make a huge impact in society. So hopefully, the bad is behind us and positives will take shape from here on in. So we can finally move on from the saga of Deshaun Watson for now. Yeah, Week 12 will probably be a circus when he comes back. If he plays... (laughs) In week twelve, yeah, we'll have to see that. Exactly, and to me, all that that whole that whole thing really depends on, in my opinion, how Jacoby Brissett's uh, performance is during the season. Now, if the Cleveland Browns somehow are able to salvage the season, you know, under the talents of Jacoby, uh, let, let let's say they're uh, vying for a playoff spot, I, I would not, even if. He were reinstated. I would not ruin ruin that chemistry. Just sit him out. Now, if they're in shambles, then of of course uh, bring in Deshaun. You know, well you can count the last seven games as preseason. But uh, I I feel bad for the Cleveland Browns, and and I hate the Cleveland Browns. But you know, uh, whew. Let's well, move I mean, on. they've dug their own grave. So, yeah. yes, let's definitely move on to something more positive. So, gang, it is fantasy football time. And if you're one of the tens of millions of people around America that are getting ready for your draft, I actually have two drafts on Sunday the 4th, right before the season starts, which is why we wanted to start our fantasy show this week. So we're going to go over quarterbacks and running backs, like I said, this week, next week, wide receivers and tight ends. And I think the world of fantasy has changed a little bit. I mean, Ernie we talked about this last year where it was a running back driven fantasy football Mm -hmm. everything was all about taking running backs and taking running backs and taking running backs stockpiling running backs but it is a different NFL right now so it is really a perspective of the first thing you need to do whatever draft or whatever league you're participating in is really clearly understand the the scoring structure and the player structure You know, how many quarterbacks can play? How many running backs do you need? How many wide receivers do you need? That kind of dictates and predicates how you want to handle your draft. Because if you're going to play with three wide receivers, then you need to really pay attention there. If you're going to play with one quarterback, then almost everyone's going to get a decent quarterback. Maybe you don't have to worry about that. I play in a league where you can have actually three quarterbacks. So you want to make sure that you pay attention to that. So the first thing you do is make sure you understand how your league scoring structure is going to take place. Once you've determined that, then you can go ahead and draft accordingly. So for Ernie and I, we're just going, just generically speaking, I'm not going to be doing my predictions predicated on what my draft would look like. I think what's more common 
in a PPR type of a league uh, where we're looking at one, maybe one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, and then your flex positions where you can have uh, a second tight end, a second running back, I mean, another running back, another quarterback, another tight end, or another wide receiver. So that's kind of how we're going to predicate this on. So we'll start with the quarterback position. And what we'll do is, I mean, we've had a long list, but I think where we should start is maybe earn Ernie gives us his top 10 quarterbacks. We'll just list them out. I'll give you my top 10 quarterbacks, and then we'll try to pick each other apart in terms of where we differ and our thoughts, and then we'll kind of go in depth about more of these players, what we think are strengths and weaknesses, uh, etc. And then maybe some dark uh, if you play in a league that requires two or even three quarterbacks, maybe some some sleepers that you can kind of take a look at. So, Ernie, let's start with you. Who do you have as your top 10 quarterbacks? OK, well, you, you know, uh, if if we can pause on top of that, my memory is terrible at my age. My memory is terrible. Can we go like number one? You go number one and we'll go from there. Sure. OK, so I'll start off with my number one. I had really I had some pause on top of this. Uh and my pause is just because Josh Allen, who I think every mock draft has as their number one quarterback, uh, and he deserves it. He's been playing great. Uh, the thing about him is just the fact that the guy hasn't been injured, and the guy's a running quarterback. I mean, the guy, uh, every year he's, he's had over 100 attempts other than his first year. Uh, and he's played every se- you know he's played every game over the past three seasons. Uh, the law of averages in a game where large men throw their bodies at you tell me that somewhere down the line uh, it, he he might get hurt. With that said, you can't deny uh, his talent. Uh, you know, in regards to his touchdowns when the Buffalo Bills get down to the you know, inside the the 10-yard line that he is, you know, the viable option out there. The guy scored 10 rushing touchdowns the the previous year, uh, and he's consistent. The guy is just, he's there. He's just like, he's, he's like taxes and the sun rising the next morning. With that said, I don't think he's the best passing quarterback. If this was a non-PPR league, I would not have him as the as my as my number one. But with that, with with rushing being accountable uh, accountable in the equation, he's got to be your number one. I think he's just got to be your number one. I agree. I mean, I have Josh Allen as my clear number one. I think with him, what I expect him to do is he'll throw for about 4,500 to 5,000 yards passing. That wide receiver room is loaded. The offensive line is improved. Their running back room is improved. He's got weapons galore. Um, So I think you can count on around 4,500 yards minimally with around 35 to 40 touchdowns through the air. He's very accurate and does not throw a whole lot of interceptions. So for many leagues that are punitive in terms of turnovers, that's something that you always have to be careful of. He doesn't throw that many interceptions, but like Ernie says, I think what separates him from, say, a, a, a Patrick Mahomes or even a Justin Herbert is that 
he runs for last year 700 yards and so many touchdowns. So I think he will slowly start to run less, but I don't think the touchdowns will change because he is their best option at 6'6", 250 to get the ball into the end zone from close out. So I expect Josh Allen to be number one. My number two would be Justin Herbert. I mean, he is um, a smaller Josh Allen, got Mm -hmm. a gun, Team is loaded offensively. You've got two running backs. You've got four wide receivers now. You brought in a tight end. They're, they've invested severely in that offensive line. I would expect Justin Herbert similarly to throw for between four. Uh, 4,000 and 4,500 yards. I too see him getting around 35 to 40 touchdown passes. I do not see him running as much, maybe the yards, but not for the touchdowns as Josh Allen. So I have Justin Herbert at two. I, uh, you know, I, I was really close on putting uh, Herbert as my number two. I just can't deny what happened to uh, Mahomes last year. Uh, Mahomes has just been, if, if this were just passing, he'd be my number one. The guy is just a juggernaut in regards to what he's done in the passing in the in the passing game over the past, you know, several years. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, let me just read this off. 4,031 in 2019, 4,700 uh, in uh, 2020, and last year, 4,800 you know, yard as far as yards are concerned, and that that you're combining with 26, 38 last year, 37 touchdowns out there. From the running standpoint, he doesn't run as much as Josh Allen. Probably, you know, half the half the carries uh, per se. Uh, he's averaging over the last three years, I would say, somewhere in the neighborhood of the high 50s. Uh, get averaging about two rushing touchdowns per season. I would expect that that might improve a little bit more. He does have a very vaunted. Uh, offensive line uh, maybe that uh, they do a little tinkering with that being that Tyreek Hill is out uh, over there to me he he just provides more consistency I've seen it so long I can't deny I can't deny Mahomes he's just he's just that type of quarterback that uh, put, has me putting him at number two I have Patrick Mahomes right there at number three. So, I, I, you know, I think it's it's a matter of personal preference. I think with Patrick Mahomes, though, I think there's always going to be that question of what is the impact of Tyreek Hill? What is that impact going to have on, on Patrick Mahomes? I don't believe it's going to have as dramatic an impact as many people think. I think he's going to be fine. However, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, it may surprise people to understand that over the last... His first year that he played, he threw 50 touchdown passes, won the MVP, was the number one player in fantasy football. Over the last three years, although he's had success, he's not placed in the top five for quarterback in terms of fantasy. So, you know, I think he throws for a lot of yards, but he doesn't run a lot. That's one problem for him. He doesn't score a lot of rushing touchdowns. That's another problem for him. And he throws a lot of interceptions and he fumbles the ball. And so that can become punitive. So that that's nitpicking. Justin Herbert for me is two. Patrick Mahomes is, is, uh, is two for Ernie. I have Mahomes right there at number three. Suffice it to say, I'd be thrilled with either of these three as my first quarterback off the board. Exactly. And, and, and just to take a step backwards, if you look at the... And again, it depends on what league, how your league does the scoring system. Uh, but on, on most PPRs, if you do it by an average, your number one quarterback versus your number 10 quarterback, you're only looking on average per game, on average, from number one to number four, a difference of about four points per game. 
it's after that. It's after that. After you get out of the top 10 range, that's where you find your bigger drop-offs where, uh, you know, the averages, you know, creep up on you. Then, and, you and if you're really looking for those points, you're going to want at least a top 10 quarterback. With that being said, my third quarterback is, is Justin Herbert. For basically all, all the reasons that you said, I think he's got, uh, you know, he's, he's got all the potential in the world. Uh, a good young backup group to support. As, as far as a supporting cast is concerned. So, you know, and he did so well. I mean, last, last year, he, uh, he, he was vying. At, at points in the season, he was the number one uh, quarterback uh, as far as, you know, yardage is concerned. I don't see that stopping. I think, uh, you know, Austin Eckler, the type of running back that he is, he, he is not uh, per se uh, a Derrick Henry or a... Or uh, Najee Harris, where you know his running prowess will actually take over a game. He's more complementary to Herbert's style of play, so I I, I think it's going to be more passing. Uh, I, I, again, they don't have the best offensive line, but the offensive line is adequate. I look for him to do better than what he did last year. Not remarkably better, but at least better. I have him as my number three. Okay, so now I think. Consensus-wise, I think for many, those three are the top. And this is where things can deviate, especially by what kind of a league that you play in. I've seen many uh, prognostications for quarterback where the next three picks here are all running quarterbacks. And some form a combination of Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts are four, five, six. Now, while we are going to take into consideration PPR, I don't have those guys that high. But this is where... I have Tom Brady. The wow. the last year's number one fantasy score. And again, if you play in a league that allows for one point per reception, he throws for over 70%. He's had the most attempts and most completions in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Threw for over 5,000 yards last year. Now, rumor has it he's on the mass singer this week i'm not sure if that's actually true or not but he has been away and apparently there is trouble in the brady household which i think is leading him to leave he could be distracted but i have to assume that he's going to be the consummate professional that he has been for the last 22 years narrowly i have tom brady over joe burrow at this at these spots i have and it's hard i, I I, I really can't deny everything, especially if you're looking at, uh, you know, past trends on, on Tom Brady. But for me, uh, I'm going back to uh, somebody who, who struggled last year. And the way that uh, the Seattle Seahawks have been performing this year, you kind of kind of know why Russell Wilson had, had all those, uh, you know, at least from his standpoint, a bad statistical uh, a year. Uh, from last year but I got a feeling that you know new pastures out in Denver is going to rekindle uh, his firepower I mean again if I can just go back to the two years prior to last year in 2019 he threw for 4,100 yards 31 touchdowns five interceptions in 2020 4,200 yards 40 touchdowns 13 interceptions before last year where he only had 3,100 yards uh, 25 touchdowns and six, which is not bad, but it's Russell Wilson. I look for him 
not to bounce back to those to to the 40 but i can easily see this guy uh getting at least to the low 30s or mid 30s as far as touchdowns and easily getting into 4000 range uh as far as yard is concerned that to me is a top four fantasy football quarterback i agree with the stats and the 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 best news i think for russell wilson well actually they do have to still play him once is that he doesn't have to face aaron donald anymore because aaron donald is the guy (laughs) that keeps knocking him out and that's really the only reason why his last year's statistics were so low is because he missed you know six games and then it took him a while to recover from the surgically repaired thumb um i i i love russell wilson and again i think we're splitting hairs here like i said i had brady and burrow as my four and five russell wilson for me is right there at six for all the reasons that you said i think he's going to elevate that denver roster i think that roster has a lot of talent offensively more talent top to bottom than they had in seattle but the biggest difference is russell wilson now has an offensive minded coach where his entire career he's dealt with pete carroll who's a defensive minded coach so i think let Russ let let Russ Cook is going to be the motto that he wanted for the last few years, and I think that's going to show up. So I like that pick for Russell Wilson. I could easily I, again, I'd be happy with him at my fourth pick. Uh, I think we're bunched up right there. So uh, good good pick with Russell Wilson. Who do you got fifth then? I have Joe Burrow. I just have him building building upon what him and uh, Jamar Chase did last year in that remarkable run into the Super Bowl. Uh, they fixed what they needed to fix as far as uh you know giving him more time they've they brought in the the offensive line pieces that were sorely needed if you watch those games you know those playoff games uh when they when they figure out what the Achilles heels of the Cincinnati Bengals was he did not have time so hopefully those pieces mesh together. I'm not expecting them to mesh together early in the season. So if they they play, they open with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's going to be tough. Knock knock. <laughs> as far as that is concerned, uh, but I, I I truly believe he is going to build. He's he's a young quarterback who has uh, already tasted the fruit. You know that championship, and I think he's hungry for it. I think he's gonna. Do what he can to make those uh, players around him better and improve from there. The good thing about it is they could put pieces around him. They could, could put pieces around him because him and Jamar Chase are on their rookie contract. So if something happens down the road, uh, they could easily, I don't they say easily, but they can make trades. I, uh, I, I believe their, their uh, cap situation uh, allows them for that. So... As long as he doesn't get hurt again like he did uh, earlier, you know, to begin his career, I look for him to have an outstanding 22-23 season. I agree. I mean, I have him at number five. I think he has the best wide receiver room uh, in the NFL. You have Jamar Chase. You have T. Higgins. You have Tyler Boyd. Um, they are they invested in the offensive line I, th- I think you could see Joe Burrow go for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to get a lot of running from him um, so you're not going to get those points and I think that's what separates him for some of the others but Joe Burrow right there at five I already said Russell Wilson for me is six who do you got at six I have Matt Stafford uh, I know there's a lot of concern right now regarding his elbow his injury and you know the Rams they don't play any starters so we're we're kind of like uh, up in the air in regards to how severe this this injury is uh you know what the news guys out there I think they're 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 too good we would have had some definitive report if this thing was was serious you know and I I think again he came in 
from a Detroit situation where, you know, the team wasn't that good, but, you know, he, he still produced his numbers. He's, he's, he's won the Super Bowl. You know, he's got Cooper Cup. He's got Cam Akers coming back. Uh, you know, OBJ, we're still waiting on what happens to him. Even if he does come back, it's probably going to be more towards, uh, you know, the ending part of the year. But he's got the pieces around him. He's got a decent, not the best offensive line, but he's got a decent offensive line. And I, I really think Cam Akers is going to be the key on this. If Cam Akers can keep the defense honest from a running perspective, I believe that uh, uh, Matt Stafford will just build, you know, on that report. Plus, they, they, they've got they've got other pieces out out there. Uh, you know, you would know better than anybody else, Monty, that. Joe, uh, that Matt Stafford does not take a step forward. At ver- at the very least, he stays even keeled. But I believe he takes a step forward. I hope you're right. I mean, I truly hope you're right. Now, for me, I have him outside of my top 10. I mean, I think that elbow is a bit of a concern. I mean, because they could be managing his playing time. And again, another thing that I wanted to touch on, I think there's there's two things that you really have to consider when you're when you're drafting. First is you got to get into your playoffs. But second, you have to have people available when you're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I could see the Matt Stafford situation turning into where he's resting down the stretch if the Rams have uh, you know locked up a playoff spot. So I'm a little bit leery, which is why I drop him down. But he could easily throw for 4,500 to 5,000 yards this year. He had 40. He led the NFL with over 40 touchdowns last year. So um, I don't mind that at all. And I definitely hope Ernie is right. So this is where I am going to group Ernie my my um, my next three picks because okay. they are all the running quarterbacks. So I am going, and this is where I'm a little bit torn right now. I think I have Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts even but for for the sake of the argument i'll have kyler murray at seven jalen hurts at eight and lamar jackson at nine here's my thoughts on differentiating between those three i think lamar jackson is the least accurate quarterback he was injured last year he relies on his legs more than any of the others now the other thing that he does is he turns the ball over quite a bit with fumbles and if you play in a league like i do that's punitive where if you you get a negative one point for a fumble and a negative three additional points for a lost fumble that's minus four points every time he turns the ball over that's something to consider He also has the least weapons. I mean, they got rid of Hollywood Brown. They're expecting Rashad Bateman to take a leap in his second year. Yes, Mark Andrews is either one, two, or maybe three in the tight end for fantasy football. And they like their rookie tight ends. But there are not a lot of weapons there. And their whole offense is predicated around running. So of the three, I have Lamar Jackson the lowest. But you cannot deny that he's always rushing for 1,000 yards. And if he does rush for 1,000 yards you know, he's going to be in the top 10 for quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, I have slightly ahead of Jalen Hurts. He signed his lucrative contract. He should be able to rush for at least 500 yards, throw for a ton of yards. My concern with Kyler is he's a different quarterback without DeAndre Hopkins, and DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for the first six games. Is that going to impact how Kyler Murray starts the season? We're going to have to see. And then Jalen Hurts. I think for many people... um, 
this is going to surprise where I have him, but I believe Jalen Hurts is going to be a definite top 10 uh, fantasy quarterback this year. I can see him throwing for around 25 touchdowns. He's not going to throw a lot of interceptions, I don't think. I think he'll throw maybe six or seven, but he's also going to run for a thousand yards and he's going to rush for 10 touchdowns because that's just his game. And he's a bigger, broader, stronger player than either Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson. So I think his injury risk is minimal compared to the other two. I really like Jalen Hurts with the addition of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith um, in his second year further developing. You got Dallas Gobert there as well. I like Jalen Hurts to be a top 10 quarterback. So that pretty much rounds out my top 10. So why don't you take it from here and round out your top 10? Okay, I have two of the three that you that you basically mentioned. I'm going to swap out Jalen Hurts with none other than Aaron Rodgers, the parental MVP. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't deny Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he lost his top receiver. Uh, yes, he's be a, a year older. Uh, but he is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, and, and you know, ju- just by the fact that he is who he is, uh, I can't put him uh, outside the top 10. When you're, when you're always in, when you're almost year in and year out an MVP candidate, that alone tells you that, uh, you know, you're, you gotta be, at least from a fantasy standpoint, that you gotta be relevant uh you know playing that game of football whether it comes from uh other attributes this year uh i got a feeling this year he's gonna have to do uh be a little bit more smart in regards to his play i mean i mean the adams was his his main outlet he does not have that outlet anymore he's just gonna have to play smarter but he's you know the guy's a he's a he's a smart he's he's crafty he does it just like how tom brady did uh, when he was at the end of his New England career, I got a feeling that Aaron Rodgers will reshape his type of game to at least be relevant in a conversation to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. But I have him as my number 10. So my other my my eight and nine uh, are Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Everybody. I mean, I saw a lot of mock drafts putting Lamar Jackson at number five. Uh, I. I really think that Tyler Huntley, when uh, Lamar got hurt last year, did an incredible job mocking Lamar Jackson. I mean, he, it almost looked like if, if you took out the number, it almost looked like Lamar Jackson was in that game. I mean, and I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say this in, in, a, in a way that Lamar Jackson is a talented player. I don't think he's top five. I think he's. I think he's right about there on the fringe of being a top 10. I have a feeling just like what you said is that uh, uh, his lack, his lack of talent this year is going to hurt him. He's going to be forced to run a little bit more. And I, you know, he, the guy has an, in, he's injury prone. Uh, he'll get dinged up here and there. And, you know, that's going to hurt. And he's never been one uh, to be a statistical monster in regards to his his passing it's it's been all his legs i mean like you said thousand yard seasons in 19 and i mean in in 2020 and 21 uh before he got hurt the last year uh that's that's that throws it up you know that it, it just shows me that 
Uh, that's not going to change. I think he is who he is as far as you know that running type of quarterback, but he's going to be prone to inter- uh, injury. And j- just look out for that. The guy's a the guy's a marvel. You you're not going to look for him to be the you know the 300 yard passer, four touchdowns in a game, but the guy can certainly go off for 100 yards and maybe a touchdown or two in any game. But I have him as my number eight. My number nine is going to be Kyler Murray. I love this guy last year. I I mean I I kept on saying that over and over. If you listen to this podcast. Something for me just brings him out of the top five. I still like the guy in regards to the magic that he shows. Uh, all my feelings in dropping him down to the number nine position stem from his, from what we've learned over the offseason. I think that leadership quality is going to come into question. He does have, he does have uh, some weapons, like you said. Uh, some of them are not going to be there in the beginning. Uh, James Conner, his running back, has been shown to be a steady force, at least on the goal line where he scored 15 touchdowns. So, you know, they're going to have to be honest on both uh, on both the passing game uh, and the running game. So, you know, you can't really, you know, focus on him. But I just don't see, for some reason, I have a feeling that this guy will not improve upon uh, his performance last year. And that's not saying that he's going to do bad. It's just not good enough for me to put him a little bit higher for a, for a quarterback that I really praised last year, you would figure that he'd be my number two or number three, but he drops to number nine for me. So that rounds up my my top ten. Now, I miscounted, so I still have a number ten. But just one more comment on Kyler Murray. Again, be careful. Kyler Murray has not played well at the end of the year, his first two years in the league. He falls apart down the stretch. So, again, if you're relying on your quarterback to win you the title, that may be something to consider. Although, statistically, he should be a monster. My number ten was Derek Carr. So I don't have Aaron Rodgers in my top 10. I have him at 11. I don't have Matthew Stafford there at 12. Prescott and Cousins would be my 13 and 14. But I expect Derek Carr to have a monster season. He has Devontae Adams uh, in, in Oakland now. Hunter Renfro is a brilliant, you know, number two. He has a terrific tight end uh, in Darren Waller, who you really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has Josh McDaniels as his quarterback coach and head coach now so i believe uh, Derek carr is going to have a monster season uh, and i have him at, te- at number 10 so in review and then we'll jump over to the running backs josh allen for me herbert mahomes brady burrow wilson murray Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Derek Carr. And your top 10? Goes with Josh Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Aaron Johnson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and just my sleeper pick, if I can just throw it out for there. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, and I'm not saying that this is a sleeper, but I'm throwing in Dak Prescott. A lot of people have been writing him off. I have, I, I would have had him as my number 11 out there. Okay. I mean, I, I can see that because I think they're going to throw the ball a lot because yeah. I think Ezekiel Elliott is is over the hill. Exactly. Uh, other names, you know, there's a lot of people. Trey Lance could be hit or miss. He's another running type quarterback. One day he's brilliant at practice. The next day he's not. He could be a wild card. Justin Fields, similarly. I mm-hmm. think you're going to see a lot of uh, athletic ability there. And will Tua Tungavailoa with Tyreek Hill take that next big step? These are all questions that we're going to get answered. Uh, but let's change our course to the running backs which historically is the number one position in terms of draft so Ernie we'll start with you uh, I, I think we'll go through maybe the first seven and then we'll just talk broadly about some of the others that we like but who do you have as your number one uh, 
Najee, nah, I'm only joking. <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad pick. It wouldn't be a bad pick, but you can't deny Jonathan Taylor. I mean, the guy came on like gangbusters. He didn't start off the year well. I mean, he 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 had his, if you could call it, sh- struggles, uh, you know, in the beginning of the season. But boy, come come week five, six, seven. I mean, the guy was just getting hundred yards, hundred yards. Then that one big game against the Buffalo Bills where he had ran for 185 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, ended up the year with 18 touchdowns. And the Indianapolis line is not is a good line. It's not the best line. The guy is explosive. The guy is powerful. The guy is shifty. Uh, you can't deny Jonathan Taylor. I mean, the guy, the, to me, the guy, uh, if you told me that he ran for 1,800 yards, I mean, I... That's one guy where, you know, was it 2000? Because, again, in the middle of the season, the guy exploded. I, I, I think every, every, there was a series, I would say there was a series of maybe six or seven games. The guy had 100 yards, 100 yards, 100 yards, 100 mm-hmm. yards, touchdown, touchdown, you know, two touchdowns. The guy was just consistent towards, uh, towards in, uh, the, uh, that, that part of the year. And I don't see any signs of that guy slowing down. So he has to be your number one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he he's number one. I mean, when you have the ability to run behind Quinton Nelson, who's going to be a Hall of Fame guard, um, that always helps. But my top three in general, I don't think you can go wrong. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is what my number two, barely, Derrick Henry used to be i mean a workhorse scores touchdowns derrick henry was injured last year and there is some risk here because derrick henry is getting into that six or seven years in now where wear and tear you know how running backs tend to fall off a cliff once they get to that cliff and i'm a little bit leery there so between derrick henry and Najee harris harris who i have as my number three i could see myself picking harris before henry but in those, some order, Taylor, Henry, and Harris are easily my top three. You looked at my sheet. Because <laughs> I, I also have Derrick Henry as my number two. I don't think he's going to take a drop off. After he got injured, he came back during that playoff game, and he was a force. I do not think that, I mean, when you're talking about uh, big man versus, you know, versus defensive line or, or front seven, however you may call it, and you still get success doing that. I mean, that's his game, folks. I mean, this guy does not try to uh, juke you out of your step. This guy just tries to run you over, and he's fast enough that once he gets into that, uh, you know, the, the second level, that he can turn on his jets and he can plow. He'll just plow you over. That's his game. No one has figured it out. He's done well over the past seven years, and that guy still shows me, especially during that playoff game, even though they did not advance, uh, that he still has all the tools to continue uh, on to this year. Uh, with that consistency, he had, he, I have him as my number two. Najee Harris is just incredible. I mean, uh, I am a Steelers fan, so I follow this guy closely. It was just unfortunate for him that he ran behind the, the worst the worst offensive line as far as uh, you know yards yards al- al- allowed before 
uh, before you know the defender touches you. I can't remember the, what they call it exactly, but he he had he was touched the earliest amongst every running back in the league. Yet he still found a way to get like twelve hundred yards. On top of that, you know he was targeted by Ben Roethlisberger about seventy times. He caught about fifty. 50 balls out there. Now, the Steelers' offense wasn't the greatest, uh, you know, so he only managed seven touchdowns, I believe, uh, uh, rushing, and then I'm not sure if it was a touchdown or two on, on the catching side. But look for those numbers to increase. I don't think he's going to get as many carries, but I'm pretty sure that he'll up that uh, average as far as uh, uh, yards per carry at least by, you know, 0.3 to 0.5. I believe he'll get between 10 to 12 touchdowns uh, this season. And I look for him to be as equal to what he did in the passing game. So all of that adds up to a number three position for me. So I I think that's the key. I think Najee Harris is going to be involved in the passing game more than either Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry. So that when you factor that in, if you're playing in a PPR league, that's going to give you a point per reception. Najee Harris, you can make an argument could be the number one be. running back because he's going to have more passing receptions and yards uh, than Taylor and Henry is. So so that could be that. This is where it's a crapshoot. I think those three for me are clear. After that, you have great players, but injury risks. Where are you going, Ernie? Because this is, I think, is is real curious right now. I don't have a strong opinion on, on anyone. I have like a chunk of guys here. But what do you have for your next group of players? I, I have the pass catchers. I'll call this the patch catcher category. So for my number four and my number five, I have Austin Eckler from the San Diego Chargers. And of course, we all know uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know, his exploits have been well documented. But Austin Eckler, uh, almost a thousand yard runner, you know, but his game comes from the passing side. And I think this year he will become a 1,000-yard runner. Uh, I believe they'll get him more into, in, into the game uh, from that standpoint. And I believe he's going to be maybe better on the catching side. You know, so he's a dual threat. He is like, uh, I would consider him the potential of not, uh, not in the flashiest ways, but like an Alvin Kamara. He doesn't play like uh, Christian McCaffrey. I believe Christian McCaffrey is, you know, the focal point of the Carolina Panthers. I, I, I can't remember what his uh, percentage of touches was that one particular year where they focused on, but he was used uh, often, and that's why he got injured. And that's why I'm putting Austin Eckler actually ahead of Christian McCaffrey, just for that, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey is coming off of that injury season. But, you know, he, he hasn't changed his spots. He is what he is. Uh, you know, running backs do get worn down, but he is a running back hybrid wide receiver, slot receiver. So, and he's done it for so long and he's done it so well. I just, last year was an aberration in my opinion. I think he's, he came back a little too early. I think the all the defenses were... You know, game planning for him week in and week out uh, when he was available. But I have him as my number uh, five running back. 
Okay, so for me, my, my four or five as, as of right now are running backs. Primarily running backs that can't catch the ball. I have Dalvin Cook at four, Nick Chubb at five. I believe Nick Chubb is just an unbelievable running back. And now, without a real passing game, I think more of the burden, more touches is going to go to Nick Chubb. You have Kareem Hunt, who is still holding out, uh, my understanding. So I think Nick Chubb is going to have a bulk of the of the carries there. I have Dalvin Cook slightly ahead. Again, with running back, you just never know with injuries. Dalvin Cook tends to get nicked up uh, every once in a while, but he is explosive. He is a 50-yard touchdown in the making, and I just love their offense. They have my offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, as the new head coach there. You have uh, unbelievable wide receivers in Jefferson and Thielen and Osborne, uh, a good offensive line. I have Dalvin Cook at four and Nick Chubb at five in some way, shape, or form. Then I have your Austin Eckler at six. I, I'm not as high. Well, I mean, he's six, but he's never stayed healthy. Every year he's gotten hurt. He's tiny. I mean, he's like a 5'8", 5'9", guy. He's tiny. He does get nicked up. So I think one strategy that you have to use, if you're going to invest a high pick in a Chubb or a Cook or an Eckler, um, and I'm not even going to talk about McCaffrey yet. I'm going to get to him. Then I think you should always handicap that by taking their backup. Mm-hmm. It, you know, maybe higher than you would ordinarily take them. If you take Cook, you got to take Madison. If you take Chubb, you got to take Hunt or or um, uh, Dearness. Uh, whatever his last name, I'm drawing a blank on his last name for them. And with Eckler, you take Isaiah Spiller, who they've drafted. So I have them there. I do want to, qu- uh, you know, talk a little bit about Christian McCaffrey. I personally have him right at around 10 for me, and a lot of people still have him at two or three or four. The guy has been injured for two consecutive seasons, and this is my fear. You don't necessarily win your league with a hit on your first round pick, but you can lose your league by losing your first round pick to an injury Agreed. for most of the year. Agreed. And I think with Christian McCaffrey, and they don't have like a really good backup for him, they don't have a great quarterback situation as Baker is there. I think there is risk there. If he's healthy, he can go 1,000 receiving, 1,000 rushing, and put up 20-plus touchdowns. But he hasn't done that for three years. And I think with Christian McCaffrey, he had such high usage in college. He did everything for Stanford for four years that I think he's a more run-down NFL uh, running back in his fifth year. So I believe he has risk. Um, But if he's purely healthy, he can help you win a title. I just don't trust them. I wouldn't take them uh, in the top 10. Mm, mm. So we're so I have right after my next tier would be Joe Mixon and Saquon Barkley. So you may be telling me, well, you mean you, you trust Saquon Barkley, <laughs> but you don't trust Christian McCaffrey. I have Barkley one notch ahead of Christian McCaffrey, but Barkley is younger uh, and Barkley hasn't been hit anywhere near as often as Christian McCaffrey. He's just had some bad luck. I mean, he stepped on somebody's foot with the Dallas Cowboys last year and he's had an atrocious team so if i had to gamble on one of these two i would gamble more on saquon barkley than i would on christian mccaffrey but in between them between joe eckler and and mccaffrey and barkley i have joe mixon i think with that investment in the offensive line and burrow and those weapons there's going to be a lot of opportunity to run so that kind of rounds out my top 10 okay well i i do also have uh 
Dalvin Cook, I mean, as my what was what number are we on? Number my number six running back. Mm-hmm. After that, I have Joe Mixon. Uh, Same spot as me at seven. Aforementioned, I mentioned uh, Alvin Kamara, and then on my number ten, this is going to be my this is going to be my sleeper pick for you guys. Uh, I would take a I would take a a chance on this guy being your number number ten because this guy can actually be a number five in my opinion. Is Travis Etienne, Jacksonville Jaguars? He's teaming up with his uh, as as you all know. He's teaming up with his. His college buddy and Trevor Lawrence in, in Jacksonville. These guys have a good com. These they don't they don't have to uh, get used to each other. They're already used to each other. They 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 won a national championship together to, to prove to prove that. And it doesn't look like at least from uh, you know the preseason game that I watched, he doesn't look like he missed a step. Now the guy didn't run for big numbers. But just from the eye test, as you look how he, how elusive this guy is, how he bounces off tackles, the guy doesn't look like a monster, but the guy is, uh, he's a tough runner as well as being elusive, as well as being a terrific pass catcher. I mean, that was his knack coming out of college that he, he had the hands. So if this guy, this uh, ATN, uh, especially with, uh, Trevor Lawrence still feeling out, uh, you know his place as far as a quarterback. With not really the the top receivers out there, you know he's going to be used uh, often. And I think he is the safety net, you know, for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence really doesn't have all those pass catchers. He's going to go back to what he knows best from college. He's gonna be targeting. I, I I'd be surprised if ATN doesn't have less than a hundred targets uh, this particular season. But I have him as my as my reach at uh, as my uh, sleeper pick at number ten. Alvin Kamara at number nine, dual threat. Uh, I, some guys are probably afraid of him because of the allegations on his uh, you know his Las Vegas the the thing that happened in Las Vegas. The latest reports out there are saying that. You know, just based upon how the legal system is is just so slow that nothing will happen until at least the next NFL season. So if you believe that, I still and and I'm 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 making my pick on top of that. I have him as number nine. Joe Mixon, Super Bowl team, you know, Super Bowl contender. Uh, terrific season last year. He's always been a good running back. Uh, not the flashiest guy out there. He just gets the job done. Uh, when you're able to do that and get to the Super Bowl and ride those and, and now coming in with a better offensive line, you know, they're bringing in, they brought in, at least they brought in two capable guys. I, I think he improves on last year's numbers. So I have him over there and already we mentioned Dalvin Cook. So that runs out. That uh, uh, completes my top 10. I would like to give honorable mentions to uh, Clyde Edward Hilaire. I think he's going to be another one of my sleeper picks if he's available out there. I got a feeling that in, in uh, he's been hurt a lot. So we really haven't seen uh, the, you know, the Edwards Hilaire that, uh, you know, we've been looking at. To me, what opens the door for him is the, this, uh, is the, the trade of Tyreek Hill. So I believe he becomes that, uh, that force out there. Juju Smith-Schuster is a big receiver. He'll catch it over the middle. He'll block for you. But he's not going to do Tyreek Hill stuff. 
uh, Clyde, not many people can do uh, Tyreek Hill stuff, but Clyde uh, Edwards-Hilaire uh, can get close as far as coming from the running back standpoint. Uh, standpoint. So look, look for him to make some make some noise this season. See, so yeah, and couple of couple of differences like with Travis Etienne I have him outside my top 20 I mean I think he has the potential to come back but torn Achilles do scare me and then he still has James Robinson to deal with I do agree that he is going to be Trevor Trevor Lawrence's uh uh safety net and I do believe he's going to do a lot on third down not so much on first and second so it becomes a matter of how many catches can he get to rack up points and can he get into the end zone because I believe when they get close to the end zone it's going to be James Robinson who takes it in now some big names that are left out there that didn't make my list I like Javante Williams I think he is going to take a leap this year with Russell Wilson I think Javante Wilson uh, Williams takes over the running back position for the Denver Broncos I think he's going to have a big year I think Cam Akers I think Cam Akers a lot of people are sleeping on him because when he rushed back last year his miracle recovery in five months from a torn Achilles he did not show well in the playoffs almost cost the Rams the Tampa Bay game with three fumbles in that game uh, he did not play well in the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game so I think people are dropping him I think he's fully healthy now one year out from that I think Cam Akers is going to have a good year so Williams Cam Akers Elijah Mitchell had a great rookie year at San Francisco Aaron Jones is a touchdown maker like without him. without Devontae Adams I think you're going to see more running touchdowns and then DeAndre Swift a lot of people expect him to take a big leap I expected that last year I still have my doubts about Detroit offense overall and you still have him uh, sharing time with Jamal Williams so DeAndre Swift would be right there with Alvin Kamara Alvin Kamara I still expect that if he's not going to be suspended that he should probably go a little bit higher up but I am a little bit of afraid that their coach Sean Payton is no longer there they've got a defensive coach now so will Kamara get the touches that he did before Others to, to keep your eye on, can J.K. Dobbins respond and return from an ACL injury with the Ravens? Josh Jacobs, a lot of negative talk coming out of the Raiders, and they, they are not upping him for, for the future. Um, and then who's going to be better in Dallas? I have Pollard ahead of Ezekiel Elliott for me. Um, but so many running backs that you can take a look at. If you're looking for sleepers late, if you're going to take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think you should invest in the rookie Isaiah Pacheco the fastest guy at the combine has been a revelation getting first team reps already with the Kansas City with the Kansas City Chiefs and then another rookie Davion Pierce I bet he starts the season as the Texans starting running back there's not a whole lot ahead of him I think he's going to take over there Rahandre Stevenson with the New England Patriots I think with the retirement of James White it's him and Damian Harris I like him as well so those are some sleeper names of course Bryce Hall the first running back taken this year with the Jets could show well as well any sleepers for you Ernie that you want to highlight yeah I mean just just basically you mentioned Aaron Jones uh, I already mentioned uh, Hilaire uh, Saquon Barkley is out there you you already mentioned jk dobbins i mean here, here's the thing about it to me it, when you're if if you're going to be going into your draft and you're playing in let's say a 12-man team you're going to want at least the top 10 after the top 10 it really drops down in my opinion precipitously i think you're going to want one of those guys to come in and be a solid guy or else you're going to have to get lucky later in your draft uh you know, in in, me, in in some other spots. So 
look on top of that because if you wait too long and you look for these, it, it, I mean, and the sleepers could come up and injuries happen and, and everything like that. Uh, but to be safe, you're going to want someone in that top 10. You know, whoever you figure out uh, it's going to be, uh, we'll, we'll see. But to me, the top to me, the top three are the top three. That's one. What that's one tier. Yeah. Then it comes down to what that top ten is going to be, and then from there, it's 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 anybody's guess. I agree. I think the top three. If you can get one of the top three in the first round at the end, well, depending on your type of league. Like for me, I go quarterback first, but I can see that in many leagues, these guys are going to go within the top five or six picks. If you can get one of those three, I think you're going to be in really good shape. If you take that next tier that Ernie talked about, whether it be a Dalvin Cook or an Eckler or a Chubb or or a Barkley or a McCaffrey, I think you're going to have to handicap yourself with a solid backup for those players because they are injury risks. But that's the beauty of this. You just never know. And there's somebody that will come out of somewhere and lead, okay. you know, Guaranteed. and make a big, big, big jump. And that guy is Cam Akers this year. That's going to be the guy. <laughs> it, 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 it could be. And watch out for this. If you do pick up somebody who, who, who you thought didn't have negative value on top of this, look for the running backs who played tough defensive teams in the beginning. Those are the ones that are going to struggle in the beginning. You might be able to get a trade at a discount. Look for the and and be aware of the opposite on running backs who did well against poor defensive teams because that kind of averages out during the rest of the seasons. You don't want to you don't want to, you know, get your eyes really hungry for those guys and overpay for them if you're looking for a trade somewhere down the line. I mean, that's a great point, Ernie, and I think that goes for everyone, even with your quarterbacks. And I always talk a lot about the end of the year because that's when you win championships. You know, you have to get into the playoffs, but once you're there, you want everyone clicking on on all cylinders. So, you know, if you've got a quarterback that they, at the end of the year they're going to place they're going to face the Steelers, the Bills, and the Ravens, you may want to think twice before you go and go get them because those are three of the best defenses out there. So again, gang, quarterbacks and running backs today, wide receivers, which I'm excited about because I think the league has shifted to a wide receiver dominant league. I think that's going to be very intriguing next week as well as the tight ends. But I'm going to transition right now into my closing thought. And you know, Ernie and I are out here in Hawaii, and there was a huge following for a gentleman named Manti Tail. Yeah, the infamous Manti Tail and the whole catfishing thing that happened. Manti Tail, one of the biggest recruits ever out of the state of Hawaii, went to Notre Dame, became a two-time All-American, second in the Heisman. But before the Heisman Award came out, this whole catfishing thing started to bubble up. And then my comment is this. There's a there's an amazing documentary on Netflix, uh, Untold, the Manti Tail story. There's going to be a series of stories. The first two episodes are about Manti Tail and this whole situation. It was incredibly well done. You had the perpetrator, Ronaya Tuyasosopo, on the show. You had Manti, of course. You had... Uh, the president of Notre Dame. You had so many different different people that were in there. You had Dr. Phil who ha- met with them and validated some of the things that are out there. But my whole point in this situation is I ended up watching that show feeling like 
the perpetrator, Ronaya Tuyasasopo, was who's in transition, so I can say she, uh, was very contrite. She seemed to be very contrite, very open, very honest. And I think the only way you can pull off the show was to have her be a part of the show. Uh, because if it was just Manti, there would still be skeptical. But if you don't watch that show and come out feeling sorry for Manti Teo, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, the guy's career was literally derailed for something he did not do. He has a genuine loving heart. Was he slightly naive? Maybe. But all the tests show that Tuyasa Sopo was incredible at altering voices and pulling this thing off. But it literally destroyed Manti Teo. It started immediately. The championship game against Alabama, he was a shadow of himself. You know, his production dropped off. He was a locked top five uh, pick for all of his senior year. Then that game against Alabama started to drop him a little. And all this negative publicity dropped him down to the, I believe it was the 40th pick to the San Diego Chargers in round two. So gang, even if he had dropped to say number 10 in the first round to number 40, that is around a $5 million loss that he had just to start. And what the show shows is how the stress, the burden, the humiliation, the amount of abuse and, uh, that he was taking verbally um, by everyone and how he became a meme and how he became the butt of all jokes had a tremendous mental effect on him. Uh, he said that he was trying to play and his whole leg was numb. We remember that he missed a couple of years or tons of games because of what was perceived to be a foot ailment. That evident, uh, evidentially was... Uh, anxiety and depression and what he went through these are the kinds of things that you see athletes and actors and actresses and and just normal people committing suicide over Mm -hmm. but he has such a strong family such a strong faith in god uh, and i think that carried him through but what looked to be a promising nfl career and a leader turned into a very unfortunate, sad situation. It, it, it was. And it was, but it was very, very well done. We're not getting paid by Netflix, but this is one documentary that is worth your time. As a football fan, as a human being, this is a great documentary to watch. Did yeah, you get a chance to watch yeah, it? Yeah, I saw bits and pieces. I, you know, I was I was trying to do two things at once, but I, I was pulled into certain aspects of uh, you know, the documentary. But I remember him being, you know, that transcendent figure. You know, you had you had people who weren't even involved, who, who didn't even like sports, you know, uh, you know, know the no man Titeo uh, when he was at his at his highest. And but then when he went to his lowest, it was almost uh, it was almost embarrassing. And if you're not familiar with Polynesian culture or just the Hawaii culture uh, in general, uh, you know, the family name uh, and and shaming upon uh, on that is not just for yourself. You get added pressure because you shame your family, and I think that's what the burden that Manti Teo had to bring with himself. I mean, uh, he grew up, you know, uh, in a small town uh, on the north shore of Oahu, and became this. You know, superstar that represented uh, you know all those people. So when what he did, you you felt it in your heart that you know that was 
uh, almost like a relative that you knew well that was you know succeeding but when it all came crashing down it, it was just as hard the disappointment was just as hard and I remember when I first heard of everything I, and I know they mentioned this in a documentary that they said you know we were thinking oh you know uh, what's his choice as far as uh, you know is, is is the guy straight you know not that being not straight is 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 wrong but you know the questions were out there how is this guy going to be a, a a leader out there how how is that going to be perceived in a in a sport like the uh the nfl but i agree with you you know I, i'm gonna have to rewatch it this time uh pay a little bit more attention in regards to the details he does seem like he's found peace in all mm-hmm. of this you know he, he has a family now he has a, a lovely child you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that he made this helps other people, at least who made made the misconception that uh, uh, he did all the wrong. Uh, this at least gives you some insight into why, you know, and I think that uh, if 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 you're if you're interested in. Uh, you know dynamics of how how the human mind works, and you know uh, the the perils of you know the day and age where media can you know destroy your life. I mean, this is a this is a good example of it. I mean, I know you mentioned catfishing. Not too many people know about catfishing. That's where you. You know, you take the identity of somebody else and you pretend to be. And that's basically what happened in the situation. Yeah, and I think this is the beginning of the healing for Manti. I mean, you could see uncomfortableness and then and then almost a peace at the end and hopefully this is hopefully this is the the resolution the peace that he needs to move on in his life um manta i can tell you from two guys that that are born and raised in hawaii you make us proud you did nothing wrong in this circumstance you carried yourself with class uh and you're going to continue to make an impact on the lives of many of the youth here in hawaii and probably across the united states so congratulations to you again check it out untold on netflix the Manti Tale story for the first two episodes. So Ernie, that wraps up another week, gang. We're over an hour. We are excited about this fantasy show. Check us out on Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us what you think about our thoughts. Share with us who you believe will be the top quarterbacks and running backs as we get ready for next week. And until next week's part two of the fantasy show, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. 